Welcome to the Centre for Independent Studies podcast. What you're about to hear is an episode of Liberalism in Question. This series can be found linked in the description or by searching for Liberalism in Question in your favourite podcasting app. Enjoy the show. Coming up on Liberalism in Question. The fact is that you're actually exposed to more radiation living around a coal-fired power station than you would be living uh, within the same proximity of a nuclear power station. Enjoy the show and be sure to follow and subscribe. I'm Rob Forsyth and this is Liberalism in Question. My guest is William Shackle. William is a year 11 student here in Brisbane where I'm recording, who is head of Nuclear for Australia. Welcome. Thank you for having what me. What is Nuclear for Australia? Well, Nuclear for Australia is the first youth-led campaign for nuclear energy anywhere in Australia. So. I'm specifically advocating for the ban on nuclear energy to be lifted because Australia is the only member of the G20 with a ban on nuclear energy. And from my perspective as a young person concerned about the energy and climate crisis, I have a strong belief that we should have all options on the table and that includes nuclear. Now tell me, how does a schoolboy come to be interested in well, the future energy needs of this country? Tell me how, how you got there. Are you a kind of right-wing Greta Thunberg. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say that because I think it's, it is quite challenging for a young person like me even to come across nuclear energy because it's not actually taught in our schools. So it's actually quite remarkable that I even stumbled across it. Do you mean you didn't know there was such a thing in nuclear uh, energy? Correct, correct, because we're not taught about it. So I think it was something like grade four, maybe grade six, I don't have the exact year that I was doing an assignment and you know, I, on my own accord, I was doing a research project and I stumbled across this term, nuclear energy, and I, I guess it intrigued me from that point. Uh, and I later in grade 10, I'm in grade 11 now, in grade 10, I decided to do another project, specifically looking at the economics of nuclear. And then after that was when I started my campaign, uh, because I think over that period of time, I just developed such an intrigue with the technology. So you'd never heard of it? Never heard you of it. You discover it, you start researching it. Yes. And you reach the conclusion it might be good for Australia. It, well, I was, I was quite convinced at that point upon my research that it would be a good solution for Australia. And, you know, that research, you know, obviously I'm not, I'm very clear that I'm not an expert. I'm not a professional on nuclear, but whether it's, you know, reading articles and research papers about nuclear energy or even what I what I did is I reached out to experts from around the world and the many experts in Australia who support nuclear energy, uh, many of which have to support nuclear energy privately due to the nature of the debate we're having in Australia. But after talking to them and asking them questions about it, I think that really uh, gave me the confidence in the technology that nuclear energy could be, uh, well, I was very confident that nuclear energy would be a solution that would benefit Australia. I'll talk about why in just a moment, but I'll stay this strange sense. You found people did not want to even talk about it. It's somehow a taboo subject. Well, well, it is. I think that we, we don't really have much of a nuclear debate in society. I think what we're starting to see in Australia is the start of a nuclear debate. And I think that's a great thing, regardless of the outcome, for us to be discussing the science and discussing the facts. But Unfortunately, uh, for whatever reason, whether it's that there is a lot of money behind the current path we're going down, the 100% renewables path, or uh, whether it is, you know, the taboo, the general taboo with, you know, all the safety, waste, fears about nuclear, it's a topic that not many people feel very confident 
uh, to discuss. And there's, you know, certainly people in society who work in departments and things like that within government who are not able to currently uh, su voice their support of nuclear energy when many of those people are probably the strongest advocates for nuclear energy. Did you grow up fearing nuclear war at all? Do you know about nuclear uh, war? I, I wasn't personally fearful of nuclear war. My my mum certainly was. My so, mum certainly was. Yes, I'm, I'm a baby boomer and we grew up with the Cuban Missile Crisis while we were at yeah. school and doc watched Dr. Strange live when I went to university. Um, words, and end up um, the day after, but the end of the world, we lived under an apocalyptic. Mm. Now that did sort of mark some people's sense that all nuclear is inherently somehow tainted with disaster. Not, 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 new, not for you guys. Well, look, I think in the context we're in today, of course, I do have some fears about nuclear weapons and I'd make it really clear to people that I, in no way do I support nuclear weapons because I think there's a really clear distinction between uh, nuclear weapons, which are, of, co of course, something that you know, we should not be seeing in society and peaceful nuclear energy, which I think is able to solve some of the world's and Australia's greatest now, are problems. You, are you old enough to remember the Fukuyama, um, the effects of the tsunami in Japan on Fukuyama and how that suddenly scared a lot of people? Uh, I, I, I don't recall um, actually being old enough. Oh, no, certainly, so I wasn't certainly old enough uh, to remember, you know, Chernobyl and I don't have a distinct memory. I'm not sure how old I was at that point. I don't have a distinct memory of Fukushima. Uh, but, you know, obviously I think it's important that I've, I have to, to get a full understanding of the subject area of nuclear energy. I've looked, I've had to look back at those incidents and, you know, there are obviously lots of people who tell me lots of things about those incidents. But I think the important thing to mention in regards to those, well, it's really three events. It's Three Mile Island, yes, of course. Fukushima and Chernobyl, the major nuclear accidents, is that despite all of those events, and of course they're terrible accidents, there's been huge technological advancements uh, in terms of the reactor technology. Um, but the really important thing is, even when you include those three events, that statistically nuclear energy is actually the second safest form of energy despite Chernobyl, despite Fukushima, despite Three Mile Islands, which I think is quite quite remarkable. And relatively unknown. It, it is relatively unknown. And it, it shocks me that, especially when we look at the grid in Australia today, when it's a majority of the grid is made up of fossil fuels. And fossil fuels have a huge negative effect on people's health. And obviously, a lot of people, including myself, will argue that there's also a detrimental effect from fossil fuels as a result of climate change, but specifically looking at safety, when you look at the pollution that uh, you know coal, oil and gas cause and the effect that has on human health, it, fossil fuels are attributed, at, deaths from fossil fuels are about you know millions of people per year around the world. And it's, it's a number which I find you know quite mind-blowing that nuclear as a result of off-booting fossil fuels by you know making the, the fo that fossil fuel capacity redundant has actually saved 1.87 million lives and that that number was actually estimated by a climate scientist say that again. the adoption say that again the adoption of nuclear power. Has, the adoption of nuclear power worldwide has saved an estimated I think 1.8 wow. million lives by directly off-putting fossil fuels okay let me give you some of the arguments about Australia why we're special one is, uh, no one wants it in their electorate. No one wants to live next door to one. Well, Put it somewhere else. Uh, 
we, of course that debate will come up. And I think the first important thing to say about the, what, what about, you know, who, whose backyard will these reactors go in is the fact that there are, as we're seeing in Australia, there are equally people who do not want large transmission projects in their backyard. And as a result of the current path we're going down, 10,000 kilometres of new transmission lines are going to have to be installed. That's something which is unique to renewables because, you know, with nuclear, you don't require the same transmission infrastructure. The same can be said as people don't want solar panels in their backyard and they don't want wind turbines in their backyard. And how it tied back to nuclear is to say that nuclear reactors won't actually have to go in many people's backyard because of the fact that nuclear energy is the densest form of energy available to man. And when you look at the land footprint of nuclear reactors, because of the fact that you need less nuclear reactors to provide the same powers, you know, yes. lots and lots of solar panels and lots of wind turbines. Uh, and, and the comparisons are really quite stark. If you compare the uh, spaced footprint of wind turbines, it's about 1,000 times more land you need for the same capacity of energy from wind, wind energy compared to nuclear. And the comparison for solar is, I think, around 140 times more land for the equivalent in solar panels compared to nuclear energy. Um, the final thing I'd say is, so there's that point that, you know, not many backyards, <laughs> well, no backyards really would have to uh, be home to a nuclear reactor because, let's be honest, if we were to have them in Australia, the ideal sites are probably going to be where the coal-fired power stations are. But the really important thing to make is that there isn't that there wouldn't be that much harm by having a nuclear reactor in your backyard. And there's a, like there's just a simple fact that you know people say that you know nuclear is incredibly radioactive when in fact we're exposed to radiation all around us. And the fact is that you're actually exposed to more radiation living around a coal-fired power station than you would be living uh, within the same proximity of a nuclear power station. So from, from my perspective at least, and I don't want to make these decisions for people who might have to put up with a nuclear reactor being put, uh, being put somewhere you know, you know, where people are, are living. Uh, but my argument would be, you know, there, there's currently much worse options that we're currently using in Australia compared to nuclear energy, which are far, far uh, more dangerous than nuclear energy would ever be, especially when you consider the technological advancements we're seeing in nuclear energy, which render those incidents of the past basically uh, impossible. Is that right? Oh, well, yeah, with the... Okay, second argument. Yes. Look, it's all just too expensive. By the time we uh, get them, oh, you'll, you'll be as old as I am. Mm. I, it's a complex issue from my perspective because I'm specifically advocating for the ban on nuclear energy to be lifted. My argument is even if nuclear energy was too expensive, even if nuclear reactors took too long to build, then why not lift the ban? Because no one would actually be silly enough to build a nuclear reactor at that point in Australia. And from my perspective, at least, I think we'd be, I think we'd be proved wrong. I think we'd be proved it would be proven to us in Australia that nuclear energy was in fact economically viable because when you look around the world, there's actually 50 countries which for the first time are considering introducing a civil nuclear power industry uh, to help. For the first time? For the first time. Uh, and that includes many of our Pacific neighbours. There is, you know, new countries adopting nuclear energy all the time. A recent success story has been in the United Arab Emirates, 
people would be surprised of. You'd think that they have abundant fossil fuels, they have abundant solar, thinking of their location near the equator, yet they still identified the need for nuclear energy. And in fact, they're now powered by about 25% of nuclear energy in that country. I think there's, you know, there's very specific debates about the economics of nuclear energy, and I think it's a really complex issue. Basically, the current, uh, the, the, when, when, the, when people say that nuclear energy is too expensive, when you know, Minister Bowen uh, says that nuclear energy is the most expensive form of energy, they basically rely on a single report. It's called the GenCost report. Yes. I'm not going to go into too much depth on that because it's, it's complex. And it's quite a controversial report, but what I would basically say is that we should not be uh, basing a really consequential policy like the ban on nuclear energy on a single paper report, which, let's be honest, no single paper report is going to be able to predict what our energy mix is going now, to look like in 50 years. Before we started recording, you said you'd written to the Prime Minister and got a letter back. I did. Which suggests a rather ambivalent attitude. To nuclear energy. Can you explain? Well, it's very interesting. What, what did the person writing on behalf of the Prime Minister say to you? Well, it's interesting. So, yes, in May, before my Senate evidence, I did write a letter to the Prime Minister. And about a month later, I got a response back from a department official. But I think the response that I got points to the multiple double standards the government is currently has in their policy on nuclear energy, uh, whether it be, you know, with Orca submarine announcement. But the, what they specifically said and I quote, is that the government serves to reiterate the role that nuclear energy can play globally in the net zero transformation, which, you know, begs the question. So that, that, that down. Yes. Re Sorry. Re read that again. It's important. That the government also serves to reiterate the role that nuclear energy can play globally in the net zero transformation. Right. So therefore, nuclear is good, but not here. Yeah, it begs the question, uh, why, why, is, why is it good for the rest of the world, but not Australia, especially when you consider that Australia has all, all the prerequisites in place for nuclear energy. We've got the most abundant uranium reserves in the world. We've got the nuclear expertise. We've got the Australian Nuclear Science and, and Technology Organization. We're renowned around the world for nuclear sciences. In fact, we even have a research reactor 30 kilometres from the Sydney CBD. Yes. We've been safely managing research reactors. We are regarded around the world for our abilities in nuclear sciences. So it really does not make any sense. Now, therefore, what yes. do you, as a young person, forgive yes. me, I'm totally patronising, some who's the future ahead of you, what do you feel about living in a country in which it seems there seems to be an irrational policy, a non-listing policy by those whose job is to govern us? That is, not, let's not have nuclear, but you're not allowed to have nuclear. And this was put in, by the way, by a Liberal government, and to their shame. The, the ban on nuclear energy is a very interesting piece of policy because it, the fact is it was never good policy. It was introduced under the Howard government. It was debated for apparently 10 minutes. Um, apparently late at night, I, I've been told it was a political compromise for the GST and for the funding of our research reactor, and the Australian people were never asked if they wanted nuclear Does this make you somewhat disillusioned with, with your, your elders and betters? It does. I think I've lost a lot of faith in politicians from all sides, to be honest, because it, it also uh, <laughs> brings me great disappointment when I think about the fact that the Liberal government was in power for 10 years, and they did... They, they didn't. They didn't get the ban lifted on nuclear energy under their watch, 
And for me as a young person, I, 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 when politicians are telling us that net zero will be one of the most difficult things our nation will go through, which is something you know my generation is going to have to go through, we're going to have to work it out. When they've already made the decision for us, what technologies we'll be able to use to solve our issues, to try and address the climate and energy crisis to the best degree we can, it, it, it just, it's like we're stabbing ourselves in the foot when it becomes when it comes to energy policy. And that just makes no sense why ideology would get in the way of, you know, us considering a proven solution from around the world. Now, other than appearing on, no doubt, the climax of your public life on the liberalism in question, mm. you've, you've also been, <laughs> you've been to Senate committee, you've been on Q&A, you've been on a current affair yes. and you become something of a famous person. Oh, I, well, look, it's not about me. It's ultimately no, no, about I know, bringing I, attention I know that, to but, the- But have you felt this, You'd ha- I don't assume you plan to become. No. How's that been for you then, William? Well, I think what I, what I very quickly learned is young people aren't, uh, aren't uh, immune from the abuse of people uh, on social media and things like that. And I think that's a real shame that people, right. you know, I think it's a great thing that hopefully I've had some role in provoking the start of this debate we're having on nuclear energy. But as with, as with any uh, quite emotional debate, Obviously, there's been huge pushback to what I'm saying. Uh, Has that been pushed back to you, you to you directly? Uh, if you found yourself being criticised? Oh well, yeah. There are certainly there are well there are journalists, there are people on social media wow. uh, that you, you know they they go after you uh, when you when you advocate for you know I've I, I, I'm just advocating for something that I believe in. It, it, and, look, I don't, don't be offended by this analogy. Mm. Like Greta Thunberg. You're unusual because you're a young person doing mm. something that young people don't normally do. I think, and that's kind of got the interest going, hasn't it? I, I think the other thing is that they're, they're even though they're, she has a different, she's doing something else. Both trying to reduce, uh, both trying to deal with climate yeah. change, but in different ways. I, I think the difference in terms of me with Greta Thunberg, and I know that she's drastically elevated the issue of climate change, but there were obviously other people who had a huge platform, whether that be, you know, Al Gore is probably Leonardo DiCaprio, who had a huge platform when it both came great, to discussing both, nuclear great, both climate scientists when, as they are. Yeah, when it came to discussing climate change. So the climate debate already really had a platform. Yes. I think the difference in my case is we weren't really having a nuclear debate in Australia, not, uh, not at least one which uh, would have any chance of changing government policy. And I think the thing with me is, you know, obviously I would I'd much prefer it if it was experts who were making the case for nuclear energy because, you know, ultimately they're the ones who know best. I know far less as a 17-year-old than they do. But I think it's unfortunate that, you know, I'm having to make sacrifices. I'm having to do this and insert myself into this debate and, you know, sort of, I guess, exploit that precedence of a young person speaking out on an issue to just try and spark a conversation well you you may you may you may be achieving something well, hopefully because uh because you're so young they can't attack you as much on the q a or other places they can't. no um, <laughs> and and even the even the opposition whether they're serious or not, i have no idea mm. but at least put nuclear energy on the table so that maybe maybe at the time you are my age there may be a nuclear reactor in sydney in australia we may have solved that I, I, I would I'd hope so. I'd, I think it'll be interesting to see what the opposition's policy is. But I think the point I'd make, if I may, is that, you know, it, it's it's pretty meaningless if it's just the coalition who are supporting nuclear energy because... That's that's the problem, is it? Yeah, so is if you a- don't have bipartisan support, like 
to, to be very yes. frank, there is no point of pursuing nuclear energy because the if it becomes a really uh, divisive pol uh, any, sorry policy debate in the next election, uh, there is every chance that if after a term of the Liberals uh, and they got voted out, the Labor Party or another party could just come in and once again ban nuclear energy. So I think that what I'm doing, you know, I'm not a member of any political party. I'm, my organisation, Nuclear for Australia, is not affiliated with any political party. The thing that I'm trying to do is really trying to bring people together around the idea of nuclear energy because, you know, we when you look around the world, nuclear uh, energy is actually a uniting issue, whether it's in the US, whether Democrats and Republicans support nuclear energy, in the UK, where UK Labor, and of course the, conser the Conservatives there support nuclear energy, even in Finland, the Greens Party there supports nuclear energy. The problem so, in Australia, I think it's going to be caught up in another version of the culture wars. Well, Therefore, it might longer to get through than you imagine. Well, I, 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 I hope they, they, um, they, they lift those and just to consider the real prospect nuclear energy would have if they want to be serious about addressing the energy and climate crisis. William Shackle, thank you very much for talking to Liberalism in Question. Thank you for having me on. I'm Rob Forsyth. This has been another podcast in the Liberalism in Question series. Thank you for watching. If you enjoy this content, please consider joining us by becoming a member of CIS. You'll be part of Australia's growing movement towards free markets, individual liberty, cultural freedom and a limited government. Join today at cis.org.au slash membership.